Welcome to Every Album Ever with Mike and Alex. My name is Michael Mansour. I'm joined, as always, by my tropical as hell co-host, Alexander Voltz. Say hello. Hello. I was going to wear a different shirt, but then uh, I'll, I'll talk as to why I wore this one. Please do. Yeah. <laughs> this is Every Album Ever, the podcast we listen to every single album in the world, one artist at a time. That's uh, a whole new discography per episode. And today we'll be discussing every album by... Tim Buckley. Tim Buckley. This is requested on Patreon by Nick. Nick, thank you so much for hanging out with us and, and being a part of our community here and giving us your money and also requesting uh, an artist that I intended to do three years ago, I think. Sure. We go also, looking at the episode numbers, we're 100 episodes away from two live crew. Right? from two life wait oh that's two, right yeah. our two life was episode 60 yeah two life crew was episode 69 we're at 169 that's fucking nuts that is we are two years out from having done that that's fucking oh my god we've Insane. done it too long we've done it too long but we also did jeff buckley way back way back in in the in the skype days in the in lockdown days mm-hmm. and my original goal was like I like things chronological. I want to cover Tim and then Jeff because I'm a psychopath and it doesn't yep. make any sense. I'm just neurotic. But it was we we all were already fans of Jeff. Yes. It was a very simple two album discography, one and a half album discography. So we're like, fuck it, we'll just do Jeff and we'll get to Tim whenever. Never got around to Tim until someone said, here's money, get around to Tim. And now, and now look at this. We heard every album. How do you like Tim? What a ride. What a ride, right? What a fucking ride. I love Tim Buckley. Yeah. <laughs> I may not love everything. But I love everything. No, I, no. I'm glad I took this ride. And uh, the reason I went with the Flint Tropic shirt is because I wasn't expecting a man who who died way too young at the age of 28 to have three eras of yep. music three eras in nine years of an entire the entire career was nine years and or nine albums the last era was dubbed sex funk <laughs> i didn't know that's what they called it i didn't knew, i knew it was funky obviously i didn't uh, know it was called sex funk and i'm like yeah this is like shit jackie moon from semi-pro would listen to fucking love me sexy so there we go and I, there we go yes god damn also it's it's heating up over here in los angeles it's getting this is the first day i felt warm since it the entire year it's actually yeah. cold the other day it was it was legitimately cold it yeah. was cloudy and cold and raining a little bit it's this whatever we're gonna die soon but tim buckley uh man it, it was also a, a very silly mistake of mine to think that like oh well there's father and son therefore they're very closely related when they're like completely estranged they met one time jeff kind of held a grudge for a long time against tim mm-hmm. for for being uh um estranged and you know kind of dipping out and not playing the part of dad uh and then so you should get that side of it and then you, you read some interviews and then you hear some other stuff and some songs like oh there is also Tim's side of it, which was like, yeah, he's, he definitely uh, took off on his kid and his, and his ex-wife, but there's also like some guilt there. And there was all, it was like his lifestyle as a musician couldn't, wouldn't allow him to uh, be there as much as, as he wanted. It was like a lot of like, it's more complicated than just, he just, you know, took off and, you know, disappeared forever. Motherfucker was too busy having sex. 
in the last four years. The last four years? That's all his fault. That's all. Uh, his, it was all that sex funk. Yeah, yeah. That, the, no excusing that. But the, the, <laughs> but the first, first few. First few. All first right. You're more complicated. <laughs> the sex funk. No, no excuse. No excuse. Uh, so yeah, no, no mystery there. He died young. Died at 28 from uh, heroin overdose. Yeah. Um. I believe he snorted it. Yeah, they, he might have thought it was Coke or something. Yeah. And there was like a whole thing with the friend who gave it to him, whose name was was Richard Keeling. Yes. And he and he was charged with like um Ac- like accidental yeah. manslaughter yeah, and yeah. distribution. Distrib- yeah, that's right. Uh, I think he got off though. He did a hundred and twenty days. Okay. Which uh, if if you watch shitty reality TV shows, it's two seasons of sixty days in. So yeah, yeah. But to be to be fair though, four months that'll that'll change your perspective on things. Oh, it absolutely yeah. will. It yeah. abs- I think I think one week in prison will definitely. Also, uh, if if you're if you're a convicted felon, good luck getting a job afterward. I don't think things were. I, th- I think he mm, the system is is really not set up for these these people to succeed when they get out no no it's very messy unless, but also unless you're rich uh, then it doesn't matter well then you don't even need a fucking job at walgreens or whatever but uh yeah so it was pretty iffy kind of shitty death but uh, i don't remember who it was but they were they were saying like uh it was gonna happen eventually like if it yeah. wasn't this particular way he went out it was something similar and soon mm. uh he was a big big drug guy big drinker he was uh, probably severely depressed on the road um he broke unsuccessful oh, yeah. unsuccessful yeah. The, from beginning to end unsuccessful you mean the guy singing about big brown nipples is not <laughs> mentally stable I don't see anything wrong with that. I I don't either. Who doesn't love big brown nipples, Alex? (laughs) As a man with big brown nipples, like, nah. But, you know, most of my exes are Latina, so that's going to throw that out there. Hell yeah. You put those pieces (laughs) together yourself, bud. (laughs) So, uh, definitely uh, not the most, uh, I don't know, easy go of it yeah i think the the his last album he he was dropped immediately after that and then he died shortly after electro was like we're tired of the sex funk <laughs> they weren't around for the sex funk they were around for the first of the sex funk yes albums. but then it was after that it was a uh, it was the uh straight records so uh huge huge overlap with frank zappa i mean the overlap the frank zappa is never ending uh we have uh, an interview with longtime collaborator and guitarist Lee Underwood from Jam Magazine in 2007. Uh, we got it from our boy Tom Osmond, who you can find uh, on all the places Tom Osmond Sounds and TomOsmondSounds.com. He does our, our history for us, and he's he works miracles at every album ever. We are a better podcast for him, uh, for that, because of him, or something like that. There it is. There we go. Yeah, the, the overlap with Frank Zappa is bizarre. Every, like almost every album there is like several members that w- would play with zappa or the mother's invention or both uh the labels were either co-owned by zappa or you know re-released by someone affiliated with a label that zappa was on and then certain moments you could hear like oh i could see that that's 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 zappa that would make perfect sense that zappa is involved in this yeah when it starts to get interesting yes i could see that i uh, wouldn't even be i didn't look it up but i wouldn't even be surprised if like people from b 
Beefheart pop up and I forget I'm, exactly, but that it would make perfect even more perfect sense yeah. because of Jeff Buckley, the dude who, oh, who collaborated on, on Grace. Did have someone. Yeah. yeah I forgot uh, which era of, of the magic band he was in, but he was a Beefheart collaborator and he, he co-wrote yeah. uh, the best Jeff Buckley songs. <laughs> yes. And continuing like the weird, like the connection to weird artists at, on one album, Tom, Tom Waits wrote a song. So. That's right. Uh, was it, was it just a cover? I think it was just a oh. cover, right? Make- Actually, it was a cover. It, it, okay, it was a, a bizarre cover because the original was released like a few months before or something yeah. like that. Like, so it's that's that's I, that's very unusual. Yeah, I was re- like, I was like the the cadences are very Tom Waits like, but was he even it, a rap? Yeah, yeah, I no, guess he, he was. That the song was released a f- like I think a few months before this uh, Tim Tim's version, which is very yeah. very interesting. Um, so. Some of the stuff we have uh, here, it, it's kind of starting backwards and, and working way to the beginning, but it, it's uh, the relationship between Jeff and Tim. And that's a very interesting one. And it's obviously super sad, but uh, this is what, what uh, Lee Underwood said about it. It is one of musical history's great ironies that Jeff often bitterly criticized his father in interviews and on stage. After all, Tim left Jeff's mother before Jeff was born and was not a father who shared Jeff's life as Jeff grew up. So his anger was understandable. Yeah, He says uh, that Jeff uh, admired Tim musically and listened to all his albums and of course learned um, got a lot from the, the crazy Tim albums that, that we will discuss when we get to them. There's two very obviously crazy albums amongst this fairly digestible discography. Uh, but he, he apparently uh, incorporated uh, dozens of Tim's technical approaches to singing and blended them with his own originality. I can, I can hear it. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Cause uh, in, in this, even though Tim didn't really hit any success, any real like mainstream success, his voice was known. His voice was the thing of, of godliness. And you hear him now, it's like, oh yeah, he was an amazing singer, but he's not like amazing by today's standards. Well, well we have like American Idol singers where everyone is just a fucking virtuoso and oh. perfect technique and opera singers. He's not like that. In terms of like diversity yep. and technique, yep. it's fucking, it's all over the place. It is wild. Cause it's like, y- when you hear him, uh, maybe in the earlier stuff, it's like, oh, he's a he's a high, you know, higher registered folk singer, uh, really pretty falsettos, and he has a strong, really uh, heavy vibrato, mm-hmm. really like shaky, heavy vibrato. But as it goes on, it, he gets bolder and bolder and louder and crazier and takes way more chances. And until his voice is like, it's it's a thing of beauty. It's, a, it's an angel's voice. <laughs> Absolute angel's voice. I thought, yeah, I thought of so many different singers just listening to him yeah yeah like it's not even it's not crazy. even just jeff yeah and but th- then you hear jeff and it, he is still the fucking goat and i mean to me jeff is still the goat oh for sure uh but you, yeah you still hear like oh that's where he does the super super duper yeah why stuff like he took that from tim maybe not like intentionally but he has that in him yeah and then did his own version of it which i actually do like more than tim's but uh 
But uh, Lee goes on to say, he says, uh, when Jeff uh, when Jeff recorded Grace, he became a beloved international star, which drew attention to his father's nine studio albums and thereby gave Tim new musical vitality. Thousands of young listeners discovered Tim through Jeff's work. The two of them are now forever linked in the annals of music history. It's a poignant story, touching and beautiful. And Tom adds, pretty tragic too. Insanely tragic. It's, yeah, I got like a feeling hit me in my gut right now just like thinking about that it's insane because you, you i read some interviews with jeff and and like we asked him about his dad obviously he's very like dis, not dismissive but he's like he wasn't around i didn't get as much as you think i got from him mm. i got it from my mom and my stepdad that's where mm. the music stuff came from i just happened to sound like him because we're same dna yeah yeah uh but but the fact that yeah, now they're, I mean, again, go, uh, before doing the Jeff Buckley episode, I assumed, oh yeah, he learned everything from his dad and they're both crazy good singers and musicians. Obviously they were connected. They're not connected. It just happened. It just happened to turn out in history that they are now connected because of just the bizarre mm-hmm. nature of both of their musical careers. Name. Yeah. The name and also so crazy with the name like Buckley, like I assumed when he's like, oh, my dad was a singer. I was like, probably does country music. Right? Yeah, that's what I thought. And uh, no, this yep. is not. Unless you count like folk kind of being s- close to country. It's no, no adjacent. Country. It's yeah. not country, though. I like adjacent. Yeah, yeah I, I assumed it was country, too. But yeah, I mean, looking at even where he's from, he's born in D.C., I believe. I was not expecting this man to grow up. In Bell Gardens, California. He grew up a stone's throw from where we are. Yes. Uh, it, it's what's like it's them and Slayer. Or yeah. <laughs> or him and Slayer. And uh, the the Gun Club. The Gun Club singer. We got the Jeffrey Lee Pierce. Yeah. The SGV guys and the current drummer for uh, Lama God. For oh yeah, El Monte. Yeah, yeah, all in our backyard. Yeah. But yeah, not not at all country, not at all southern at all. Um, yeah, born in born in DC, died in Santa Monica in uh, 1975. This is a very ugh, fucking unusual discography. Like I, w- I was not ready for it in any way, shape, or form. And there's the, so many left turns. And man, there there was something for everyone at, at at various points for sure. I would I would say that. Yeah, I also love that there's no commitment to make the album covers reflect the music not even close (laughs) so like it's super funny if you like picked up his folk things and then you're like you see star sailor you're like oh this is probably the same Same this is probably a safe holy fuck what is going on (laughs) there is there is no thought put into these album covers it's just those photos of him that were like yeah which photo did you take most recently we'll throw that one on there all right man (laughs) it was a different time the 60s were fucking they they were fast and loose with (laughs) some of these artistic rules that we we kind of uh take for granted now but uh anyway we have yeah nine nine albums total first one came on 1966 last one 1974 before we get started there was one prominent uh collaborator and that is what's his fucking larry beckett uh on the first two albums most of the songs are, are uh co-written uh or a lot of the songs are co-written by, by larry Be- beckett and buckley mm-hmm. and then he shows up 
on the last album or something toward the end. He shows up again, uh, but he was a big collaborator earlier on. And yeah, you're going to see in this first album alone, so much overlap with a lot of Zappa fucking beach boys. There's, there's a yeah. lot of stuff. So I might as well get into it. We have plenty to cover. Hell yeah. So this is 1966's self-titled. I was summer princess, midnight maiden. When I, I was not expecting this music. Yeah, uh, Renaissance Fair '60s garage. <laughs> the vocals kind. Of, I don't like the vocals. It is sounds like most '60s artists around this time. But like, if you could just mute the vocals, like, what's going on? I like the song a lot. Actually, I do like the song. It reminds me a lot of Love. It sounds a lot like Love. Which is the exact same time period. Makes perfect sense. But yeah, almost this like disjointed. Yeah, the the rhythm is is very herky jerky. You are so young. I came to you, a loving vandal, and heard your heart and touched your tongue, baby. Very. very Lancelot sounding song. Yes. Beneath your sandal in your eye, I began to spin. He's kind of like an American Morrissey. And you know what? Hello, there was a lot. I see it. So that song, I, I do quite like that song. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't love this album, but there's like interesting things going on, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty hit or miss i like i think it's a good album but there's a lot of lot of misses on this one i feel like a lot of misses on this one yeah um so already the follow-up man man it's such a 60s fucking album because it opens up with that one and then it follows it up with wings which is the most weak low energy follow-up and 60s albums did this a lot yeah where they're always track two was like let's just put a whole halt on the on the momentum of the entire album let's just put something boring and slow right up top they do that all the time and this is this is just that prime example of that yeah it's kind of like boring jefferson airplane yeah i like the string section but even then it didn't sound too unique from other bands of this era um songs of the magician or song of the magician yeah uh kind of like dipping his toes in the psychedelic stuff without like fully committing to it yeah it's more uh more dreamy Mm -hmm. i I like the the kind of chilling sounding guitars i like it a lot i think it's a great song yeah uh speaking of songs like that uh song that does work for me is a song slowly song oh best song on the album yeah absolutely best song and like a noticeable step above everything else here. I feel, I felt like, yeah, it, it's like that song. I feel is light years ahead of its time in general because it's dark and, and mature, but real. I mean, it's so, it feels so advanced. That's a song where you're like, okay, I can see where Jeff is. hundred uh, percent. I heard that song and knew that I, I, I am, I could look, there's something for me to look forward to because mm-hmm. a lot of this is very average. Um, I don't mean like, some of the songs are great songs, but like some of the other songs are like, oh, he's doing another average uh, generic garage rock thing in the 60s. And it's like, all right, I could do without that ever again. But then you hear this one song that's just 
fucking head and shoulders above everything. And I can't think of any comparisons of this in this in this uh, in this era that's that sounds similar. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm excited because I know what could come S- next. Something brewing. Hundred percent. Song slowly song is song slowly song is fucking amazing. Um, other than that, uh, I do like actually my other my second favorite song is Valentine Melody. Uh, it's another ballad, but goddamn heart wrenching, beautiful, super well written. Yeah, on weaker songs, I think. Aren't you the girl? Is this? Aren't you that girl? Is yeah. I think uh, it's got good and great energy, real strong vocal performance. But aside from that, uh, it's stereotypically sixties, and it's not like awful. But I'm not. I'm not even doesn't, into it. Doesn't do anything for me in the year of 2023. Indeed. Um, and then yeah, the closer. Understand your man. Oh, worst song in the album. Yeah, yeah. It's straight garage rock, straight, but like bad garage rock. Yeah, I will say like that that opening song. Like I said, um, the vocals kind of don't do it for me, but the the playing, I'm like there there is something something going on there for sure. It, I mean, not it's not too surprising, but yeah, as you can hear the, the mix is very shitty in 60s where everything is quiet except for the vocals yep. dominates completely down then you, you have like the entire drum set in one ear and then the rest in the other ear um f- silly things they did back then trying to figure out stereo recording but uh also like it happens every time sounds way more bland following song slowly song it's not like terrible on its own, but it's it's just you know it hurts following the an amazing track like that. Took you to the mountaintop, and they're just gonna hang you out to dry after that. Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, again, I feel very similarly about grief in my soul, where it's like yeah, it's yeah. Also, oddly upbeat for <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th- this one does feel like the most like let's just let's just try this thing and let's try this thing and, try, and like, I usually like that, uh, but it doesn't sound like he was particularly jazzed about any of it. It just seems like, well, what, what, do, what do you think would sound good? Let's try this kind of song. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, it's a thing I usually love, love when people just try whatever the fuck, but here it feels more random and uh, it doesn't feel like it has a through line in any of it. It, it really makes you appreciate like excellent debut albums because I would think like statistically like your first album there would be more first albums like this right like yeah ironing out the kinks you're just trying to find something that works for you and yeah and when you hear songs like song slowly song man the the, the word song has been used way too much <laughs> already in this episode but when you hear songs like that it's like oh that's clearly what he's a lot better at he that seems that feels way more organic and natural mm-hmm. i imagine he's gonna lean on something like that which Spoiler he pretty much does. So it makes songs like Understand Your Man feel way more like, why'd you even do that? Like that yeah. Did you there's no way you liked that. There's no way you liked how that came out. Oh, we gotta get 30, 30 minutes worth. It is a very short album. Yeah. It is a insanely short album, which all the albums are like around 40 minutes. They're not pretty average length, but a couple short ones. Uh but on this album, the the personnel on each album is fairly interesting because there's all kinds of motherfuckers on here. So uh, you got Jim Fielder on bass who would found found Blood, Sweat, and Tears and played the Mothers of Invention, Shocker, and Buffalo Springfield. Van Dyke Parks on piano and harpsichord and uh, Celesta who uh, collaborated with Brian Wilson on Smile, the, uh, the album by the Beach Boys that was the fucking disaster of the band that was uh, eventually compiled 
in, a, in like a retrospective format as the smile sessions in like 2011, mm-hmm. which is incredible. It's mm-hmm. one of the fucking most amazing, like posthumous albums I think ever made. But he, uh, he worked on that. And he also, of course, played keyboard for the mother of invention in 1965. You so you go. got two mothers on this album. Uh, going on. We're going on a third because we got Billy, Billy Mundy on drums, and percussion, former hell's angel drummer. Uh, and, Sure enough, drummer for the Mother's Invention. Uh, Tom adds, might as well get Frank Zappa in at this point. Might as well. Got three mothers on this album alone. And then uh, on the string arrangements, we have uh, Jack Nietzsche, who big Phil Spector collaborator and uh, was a big, I think he's the conductor for most of the the Wall of Sound stuff. Mm -hmm. That's fucking incredible. Very impressive. Yeah. Uh, Also strange that this album sounds as bad when you have such a heavy hitter like that, but he didn't produce it. It doesn't matter. Sure. We know who did produce it though. Uh, Paul A. Rothschild. Damn right. The Doors. From The Doors. Mr. Mr. The Doors, basically the fifth door. He must have been like an electric guy, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I guess uh, Jack Holtzman, who was the head of Electra, um, he apparently helped uh, launch the CD and home video as well, uh, as well as the pilot for what became MTV. Uh, Tom uh, calls him a bloody overachiever. Uh, seriously, this dude, the CEO changed. of Electra, changed all of music, uh, mainstream music. Yeah. C- CD, home video, Electra, uh, Electra MTV. MTV. Yeah. And they're all dead. Today, they're all dead. <laughs> yes. Wow. Not Electra, but. Wow. I think, it, well, you know, MTV, that's a whole, that's a whole thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a very different thing now. It's the ridiculous channel now. Oh, ridiculousness? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's all they show. Yeah, that makes sense. The, yeah. the same way Comedy Central just became South Park and Tosh until Ch- Tosh was canceled. Yep. Fucking how the mighty have fallen. Uh, but yeah, already a very interesting collaboration here. And, and you wouldn't guess that hearing it. No, not at all. Because this is arguably... Arguably, because I I can't say for sure, the most normal album that he has. Yes, yes. Because even the stuff that's that later on is normal, it's not like it feels more specific. This feels uh, the most like there there is uh, even though I don't love it, there is something for everybody here. Even like the stuff that I, I think kind of stinks. Also, you know, later on things that sound normal, there will always be something that makes it weird abnormal so, for sure or very sexually charged so <laughs> I, I missed so many i i i caught some of the lyrics but I, there's a lot of those sex lyrics that i definitely missed i, I wrote some of them down so. and that's why you're here thank yeah. god but yeah interesting debut not the greatest thing ever but you see inklings and signs of where he's uh, going maybe if you like folk music and that whole 60s vibe that maybe check it out but it does nail the 60s vibe yeah 100 if you're a big fan of that which i used to be when i was much younger i was huge into 60s music so it has its place uh but we're on to the follow-up this you ready yep hell yeah this is 1967's goodbye and hello Ooh, i got some, some bomb sounds Already darker than everything off the last album. Photographs of guns and flames. Scarlet skull and distant game. I hate it. I hate it. You hate it? I, you're out of your fucking mind. Yeah. This song is fucking beautiful. Out of your mind. 
I'm trying to figure out what's going on on the album Night cover over his right eye. Yeah. I don't. I can't tell what it is. I'm, st- I'm wondering the same thing. I'm like, that's not a monocle. It looks like it could be. But it, I, like, it's like a bottle cap or something. He's holding. It might be. A, it looks like a Pepsi bottle cap. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Tape recorders echo scream. He's also kind of getting some of the character of his voice here. Orders fly. Or it's, uh, it's more recognizably scream. like him. Or what we would Drums recognize as him. I didn't realize this album was Whistles come so beloved until right now. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't I didn't really look at these wiki pages at all. Leaders I tried to keep that out of my head as I was listening. Uh, I think it is a uh, powerful, emotional, and poignant opener and best album. Whoa. Yep. And no no way. 100%. No and, way. And you, this y'all, one, don't, y'all this, don't say that. This one was tough. This one was actually, re- I mean, choosing a worst was easy. Choosing a worst was so easy. Choosing a best was very tough. It's, best was so easy. It's the opposite for me. Opposite for you? Because uh, I heard this the first time, and I was like, this is fucking light years beyond the first album. Clearly, he's he already found his voice, pretty much. Mm-hmm. The songs are insane. Uh, there's only one song I t- kind of don't care for on here, and that is um, Night Errant. Night Errant. Night Errant. Um, it's like a minute and something seconds or maybe two minutes long yes two minutes long and it's like a whimsical renaissance kind of i don't know it kind of stinks but it comes and goes i don't really give mm-hmm. a fuck but every other song is so fucking dark well he has a, a, other albums that you can say are darker but they're mm-hmm. more like i would call those more sadistic than like dark <laughs> this is like dark folk rock dark psychedelic stuff um emotional but more on like the bleak side, not like sad. This mm-hmm. is like a upset bleak album. And it's also fucking beautifully well-written. And I, I love the shit out of it. And first time I heard it, I was like, this is such an incredible album. I, I, do, I don't know where he's going to go after this, but this is getting something. This is yeah. getting something. Yeah. And, and going back to, uh, going back to this one several times, it, it's just, there's just so much here to chew on. There's so many different styles here. And, uh, each one, uh, I mean, they're all distinct, but they, they all have like this through line. They all have this common thread. It all feels like it's part of this one whole, mm-hmm. you're not going to piss off very many people, maybe except for you. You're not going to well, piss. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that first song, but I can admit this is better than the first. Song. It's so much better, yeah. but it's, a, it's also like, uh, if you're in the mood for it, this kind of emotional folk stuff. Good luck finding something more moving than this. Like this is fucking incredible. I think the best song and my favorite is I never asked to be your mountain. That's so that's one of my lesser favorite songs, even though I still like it a lot. Mm -hmm. Why is that your favorite? This, um, the way he blends like folk psychedelic and like upbeat rock stuff. It's it's so interesting because like obviously other bands have like dabbled in all three, but that song brings those genres together in such a like distinct way where they stand out, but it doesn't feel forced together. And also, um, you know, I notice 
this this man loves xylophones and the xylophone goes so hard on there and i never thought i'd say that dude there's a lot of some of the xylophones are fucking dope on that song they i think they're dope almost all the time he uses them i would say i would say more often than not yes so that song uh like you said, it has all these very characteristic of the '60s things—the the the bongos, the Eastern sounds, the psychedelic stuff. The it, and it has like really good energy. It's very fast and it's and really good vocal performance. But even though it's like the most '60s thing, '60s thing ever, it feels like it has its own personality compared to every other band doing something similar. Probably, I mean, like mm-hmm. you said, it combines all of it in, in a way that feels very, uh, very distinct, very of its own signature, uh, and also. Uh, the side note, fun fact about that song. That's the song that Jeff performed at the Tim Buckley uh, tribute. Uh, I gotta, I gotta look that up. Yeah, I don't remember which year it was. He was 26 yeah. when, it, when it happened. So if he died in 97, he was like, what, 32? I forgot. I forgot. But mm-hmm. I think he was 32. Uh, so it must have been like 90, 90, 92, 93. But I probably did that math wrong, but who cares? I did definitely did the math wrong. 91. That's how you do six years. Jesus Christ, I'm an idiot. Uh, but he sang that song, and I believe he didn't um, want his name on the bill. He didn't want to be announced. Sure, because he's like, this is for me. This is not. For, this is not for. I. I this is me yeah. trying to want, getting closure for my relationship with my dad. And, mm-hmm. this is, and he sang that song, which was partly about about Jeff and about uh, you know, I mean, it's kind of in the title. Never asked to be your mountain. Yeah, uh, where he's juggling the responsibility of, of having that whole life and not being able to be a part of it should have wrapped it up buddy what what should have wrapped it up oh if you didn't want to be a mountain hey man again it wasn't just the recording techniques that were fast and loose in the 60s it was the, it was the whole shebang Everything. free love baby <laughs> oh yeah uh of course you know i love carnival song because it is uh well carnival music <laughs> interesting follow-up too it's track two it's it's uh bizarre waltz bizarre waltz um and then pleasant street is another big powerful emotional epic uh and again it just it's like eons more developed than any than anything off the last album except there, for maybe song yeah uh, song there are so many nice peaks and valley and valleys and pleasant street and maybe it's also due to the longer like those songs the songs are longer long. yeah um and yeah i I do like the guitar playing on hallucinations a lot too. Love it. It's another, he did, he dabbles a lot in Renaissance sounding stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of Ren for shit, but a lot of psychedelic elements, very well written, really engaging. Uh, once I was so goddamn beautiful. Uh, f- what is it? Uh, Phantasmagoria in two is another one. It's like this album is just so dark. And again, I never asked to be a mountain. Isn't dark. It's more upbeat, but the lyrical themes are pretty dark. Mm-hmm. So, there really isn't too much levity. Uh, Phantasmagorian 2 is absolutely gorgeous. Um, and then the title track is a eight and a half minute epic. That is wacky folk prog rock. Yep. And it's glorious. Yeah. I love it so yeah. much. So many, so many shifts and changes. Uh, like you would expect, I, I looked at that song linked and expected a long jammy a jam section. Mm-hmm. And we don't get that. We just get, crazy section after crazy section and it's not like wild abrasive off-putting crazy it's just 
It's just proggy folk. Yeah, like, oh, wow, you're doing that, huh? Yeah, like a bunch of horns and flutes, a, a million instruments. Uh, around a minute and 50, it gets really wackasy, uh, wackasy, wacky and circusy, wackasy. Wackasy. Uh, and then it goes into this really triumphant, fantastical folk sounding thing. Um, and then uh, there are moments where uh, it really... Like when I said it gets circusy, I mean literally circusy. Like the, the da, 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 yeah, that yeah. that melody literally shows up in the song. <laughs> like that, that exact melody. It's in, it's in the song. It's so wild. But uh, when listening to that, it, it it felt like I mean a lot of this album in general. It really reminded me of Nick Drake in the same it's in the same league as, of of Nick Drake uh, in terms of the arrangement style and just the uniqueness in the writing. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's folky, but it's like it doesn't. There's nothing at all uh, predictable about this. It doesn't even feel uh, Americana folky. It just feels like you're using guitars. You're playing it in a way that's kind of, you know, renaissance but it, it has its own feel to it completely. Like Nick Drake had his own feel to it. Um, and then Morning Glory is a very brief closer, really gentle, uplifting ballad. Um, it's like warm and comforting, especially after the... the you you kind of need it. Yeah, it kind of soothes you into this very quick... Uh, gentle landing of 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 the ending of the of the album, uh, yeah, it's a huge advancement in, in basically every way. Uh, orig- completely original and heartbreaking melodies, uh, progressions with incredible arrangements. It's like he matured decades since the the first album. That's what it felt like listening to this. Dang, decades is is real generous. I I love it. Yeah. I think it's so well done. Uh. And Alex well, is just fine with it. <laughs> I'm just fine with it. It might be my favorite album out of the, the folk. The folk era? Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the easy, nice, clean folk era. Yeah. Um, so on this album, we have one member of the Wrecking Crew, uh, Don Randy. Uh, for those who don't know, the Wrecking Crew was the session musician collective who played on every famous song and album from the 60s and 70s <laughs> i mean the wiki is insane uh, yeah it's the, wild they got their own documentary oh yeah yeah uh and then they they were they were like phil Spector's guys right he was uh, like his his I, hitman i don't know the the details of them but. maybe not his exclusively but he, he used uh, them a lot yeah i don't um, i don't feel qualified to talk about that right right um jimmy bond he's another record crew member he was on this and he also went to work with frank zappa and uh, Tom adds, because apparently that's required when you work with Tim Buckley. You have to be involved of Zappa. Um, uh, Henry Diltz played harmonica on Once I Was. And he, as you should all remember, is the guy who took the cover of the photo cover of Morrison Hotel by the Doors. Inc- incognito photo shoot. Yeah. One of the fun, uh, the funnest stories of an album cover where they had to sneak into the hotel, take it from outside and then run out <laughs> before the guy, before the guy, the, the owner noticed. Um uh jerry yester plays piano organ and harmonium uh and he he's a producer and arranger and would go on uh to work with tom waits and pat boone big oh. big time big time uh we got dave gar from the kingston trio uh eddie eddie ho uh often an uncredited drummer who played for donovan the uh, the monkeys and the mamas and the papas that guy is the most 60s drummer ever those names alone yeah jesus those alone holy shit man uh but yeah i didn't know this album was super beloved hearing it i felt it in my soul like it just like i this is an album that would hit with a lot of people just i just felt it immediately uh now seeing that it's 
considered as such. It's not so surprising. And I, I love it. I think it's fantastic. I think it's the best album. And specifically because it's, uh, there's no moment where you're like pissed off at it. Yeah. <laughs> there's other albums where I'm like, that's a, that's the best album, but there's like, that's hard to convince someone. I can't convince someone of this part or this song or this thing. Ah, um, you're crazy. I think this is hard to deny, to deny as, as an album, especially if you're into this type of thing. It's absolutely lovely. But we have plenty more. Yes, we plenty do. More. So we're on to the next one. This is, if you're ready. I'm ready. Hell yeah, this is 1969's Happy Sad. Now, Xylophones, vibraphones, some sort of phone. I think it's Vibra- a marimba. Vibraphone and marimba. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we are in progsville ladies and gentlemen this song is seven almost eight minutes long yes i would i would say this album's more jazzy yeah and i only say prog as in ridiculously long songs yeah yeah um in the scheme of things uh i see this one is also very like critically yeah it's acclaimed. well received yeah um and i might come around do it like few months or years from now but this definitely feels like a uh, a bridge between styles that, that he's doing but we, you could hear already is his voice has developed it's better here he is now his own guy before he was still ironing it out he still sounded great in the last album but here no one was singing like this back then I was gonna say it never sounds bad even if I wasn't a fan of it but like there's a certain confidence he has in his voice now. You could hear a little bit of it here, but you hear it more on other tracks. He, dare I say, the first yarler. Oh, shit. Yep. He does a lot of yarling. When I, no one was doing it. I feel like he does a lot. Of, he does the first of a lot of things. Yeah. This oh, album, there's a lot of it, of yeah. the yarl, though. So, uh... He sounds great. There's no Stone Temple Pilots rip, ripping off Jim, though. No, that's true. <laughs> those those iPhones or the vibraphones feel so nice there. Um, this this is kind of like the perfect like coffee shop study album. Yeah. Um, if you want to sit and just listen to it, there's a lot to sink your teeth into. These are very long, very long songs. I mean, ser- this is a, a 45 minute album with six songs. Yeah. So that tells you quite a bit. And th- so I have a lot of problems with this album. I think it's a good album, but it is really badly paced. And so it's called Happy Sad, and it's pretty. It's very on the would, nose. Yeah, it literally half the songs. Three of the songs are really happy, and three of the songs are really sad. Mm-hmm. Except it's not like the way they're sequenced is fucking bananas. Yeah. So you get uh, Strange Feel on the opener, which is surprisingly gentle, like soothing and relaxing, and it's actually really nice. It mm-hmm. has a southern feel to it, and the xylophones really, like, it really works. And then you get. Buzz and Fly, which I think is like a really old song of his that he, he barely released at this time. That one's a little more blues driven than like jazz. Buzz and Fly is 
I think what I would probably say objectively, maybe a better song than Strange Feeling. Oh, shit. Same feel. It's the same fucking feel. Yeah. Maybe it's a little bit more bluesy than, than jazzy, but you get two songs in a row equaling out to th- almost 14 fucking minutes that feel the same. And it, it's like it automatically fatigued me out the gate because uh, track three, you get Love from Room 109 at the Islander, long title, which is fucking 10 and a half, almost 11 minutes, but it's dark and it's beautiful and it's... Uh, it's got so many complex progressions. It has these great cellos that come in or like around the halfway point or a little bit after the halfway point, uh, rounded and it's very moving. And it's like, this is a beautiful song. If this was track two, then it would feel way more like, Oh, Oh, this album has some turns in it. That's not, that's not my favorite song on the album, but I think it's by far the most interesting song. Yes. Never or like rarely heard songs where I'm like, that is like a quiet epic. Yeah, absolutely. It's, absolutely. No drums at all. Yeah. No it's it's album, really. very, very, very quiet. Yeah. But like, man, it, it goes places. Um, if you, if you're a fan of those late later era, talk, talk albums, oh, yeah. this is kind of a little similar. Yeah. Like it has moments in it of lightheartedness, which is, yeah, absolutely perfect for a song that's almost eleven minutes. Like it's not just a, a giant long depressed fest. Mm-hmm. Like it has all these these moments and these these uh, I don't know shifts and changes, and it has a story to it. And it's like yeah, it's a beautifully well rounded song. And you just like why wouldn't you? Maybe it's not like a an an obvious track two, but it's a completely different feel than mm-hmm. yeah than the first song. Like wouldn't you want? I don't know. It just bugs me. The lack of like pace, the pacing issues bothers me a lot. And then, uh, beginning with side two, you get dream letter, which is devastating, devastating. It's a, it's a letter to Jeff Buckley, essentially, or to the, his ex-wife. It's about Jeff dream letters, dream brothers. Oh, oh yeah. Making uh, connections. Yeah. It's a, the easiest way possible. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, the shortest song here at five, five minutes, 12, and it's fucking so goddamn good. It's so pretty. It's heartbreaking, especially when you, you listen to the lyrics. Re- heartbreaking. Really achieves a, a dreamy quality to it as well. And uh, one uh, on the on the topic of dream letter, um, Lee Lee Underwood said uh, he says the song beautifully expressed his love and concern for Jeff and his own anguish at being unable to be present in Jeff's life, not because of Jeff, but because of his career and because of the, the sour relationship with his ex-wife, Mary. Mm. On more than one occasion, uh, he told me he loved Jeff and that he hoped to bridge the gap when Jeff was older and able to understand the complexities involved. Alas, or alas, Tim didn't live long enough for that. Uh, in my book, I present a conversation I had with Jeff about Tim in late, in late 1989, shortly before Jeff left LA for New York. Sadly, Jeff was so angry with Tim that he wasn't able to absorb what I said. Yeesh. I get that. Yeah. I get that as a, you know, a former, a former young man. Yeah. As a, yeah, former young man, I totally, I get that. But I, I, I hope, I, it seems like he kind of, had some closure, especially with like the whole tribute performance thing. Mm-hmm. I I hope there is more like, at least before he died, there was some kind of peace there. Because mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, um, Tom also adds says has every has Eddie Vedder ever talked about Tim Buckley in interviews? I'm surely not the only one who hears some of Dream Letter absorbed in his vocals. There, there's the yarl. There's the yarl. Yeah, there's a lot of yarling here, and it's not like 
offensive yarling. No, it's never like the. Hurrah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's because he's he's mostly pretty gentle on a lot of these songs. Not all of them because we're not done talking about the album. But uh, he when he does the yarl, he he tends to be a lot more gentle and so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but moving on to the biggest pile of ass on this album, Gypsy Woman. <laughs> oh my god, I hate this song. <laughs> I love it. No. It, probably in fairness it probably doesn't belong on this album no i i, I guess it qualifies as a happy song it is <laughs> always very happy it is so different from everything else on here but oh my god um you know you get those congas going you get some some nice percussion going and you got me it's 12 minutes of the same old shit and him screaming gypsy woman. Yeah. And it total CCR vibe on this one, mm-hmm. which again, I, I love me some CCR who gives a fuck, but the, this, this song I think has the most dicking around he's done up to this point by far. So uh, much dicking around, so much jamming. Mike, there's so much dicking around to come though. But it's methodical dicking around, maybe, possibly. This is just more jamming dicking around. Like standard, let's just jam for an hour and fucking just not stop. Maybe because it's, I don't want to say like the only song he does like this, but like it's like, oh, we do it the once. And I'm like, I'm fine with that. He does it more than once. Songs like this that are long and jammy, I'll, I'll, I'll point it out when okay. it comes up again. But um, here it was still novel to me. I wasn't put off by like this type of thing. Mm-hmm. It's just I didn't, I didn't. I mean, the only thing I really like on it are his vocals because he goes pretty wild here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like the first we get of him letting loose a little bit and going full on. The sex funk's coming out. It's coming out. It's coming out a little bit. Uh, and then the closer is again. It, wild two and a half minutes following a 12 minute song feels very bizarre it's it's almost like a fever dream yeah like yeah <laughs> such a strange you're like did that song no yeah. no that's not oh shit there was a close yeah it's like why not just end it with gypsy woman but it's it's a sing a song for you it's an astounding two and a half women's women's two and a half minutes yes. uh it's on the sad side it, it would qualify as the sad part of the album it's mm-hmm. absolutely lovely i think it's very nice H- halfway through you know some standard bass comes in um it's a strong closer but it's like th- another thing i don't like about this album the happy is there's so much more happy <laughs> the happy songs equal out to like fucking 25 minutes or like 30 minutes uh and the 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 sad is a relatively short thank very you. yeah thank you gypsy woman gypsy woman really pushed it over the edge uh and again it's like it's like i don't even really give a fuck about which songs sound happy or sad but just the pacing of it the the way it's sequenced and gypsy woman is a total miss for me i i i was uh i listened to this on a plane and i was like i'm getting oh, real fuck. fucking antsy and bored no what yeah okay i get i get why you hate it now yeah i think it's i i I thought that would be a bigger hindrance to to enjoying this stuff, but other stuff I was fine with. It's like I think it's just a song. I think I just hate the song. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, but the I suppose no, we're not done. This is still the folksy era era, but he's transitioning. This is the first like mm-hmm. uh, I don't know full bridge album. Decent. Not, it's probably my lesser favorite out of all of them. Of all like the the this you know the folk era stuff but it's yeah it's very conceptual a little on the nose with the title but a lot of 
strong stuff here. A lot of misses for me, but still a whole lot of good stuff here. And then Dream Letter is a, is a, is a must listen. And, and if you're a crazy person like me, you know, start, woman. start to finish is <laughs> Jesus Christ. interesting album for sure. Not as strong as, but it's interesting for sure. Uh, there's also the first album without Larry Beckett co-writing lyrics. Uh, and then um, who, who, I don't think we have any um any new Mother's Invention or Things Up people on here, which nope. is very surprising. Yeah. Uh, but we have a. Uh, Zali Yanovsky, who produced this, who's a founding member of the Love and Spoonful. And then uh, David Friedman, who plays uh, Marimba and Vibraphone. Member of the New New York Philharmonic and uh, Metropolitan Opera. And he worked with Chet Baker. Like th- That's Jasmine. Oh, yeah. Like, here we're getting some, like, big hitters. John yeah. Miller was a coordinator and producer of uh, Broadway music- musicals, and he's the guy who played double bass on here. Uh, so it's like... The the musicians he's getting are like the fucking elite of the elite. Cream of the crap. It's insane. Uh also according to um to Lee, he uh this is he considers this album to be his best guitar work. Interesting. Yeah, which um I wonder why he felt that, because I didn't take much note of it. I didn't, I didn't really... the, gu- the guitar playing does not feel like the uh maybe on Dream Letter, but it yeah. overall it does not feel like the the star of the show. Yeah, maybe it, yeah, who knows? Um he also uh, singled out the Live in London Dream Th- sorry Dream Letter Live in London recording, which is a, a live album that I'm actually uh, going to check out because most of the songs from uh, Goodbye Hello. There you <laughs> so go. So it's a very good era for me personally. I enjoy that very much. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, transition album. But we have plenty more to cover. And if you're ready, I am ready. Hell yes! This is same year. This is November. 1969, this is Blue Afternoon. Called Happy Time. It doesn't sound so happy. Not at all. And I, this bass line. Oh, oh, I love this bass line. Also, like, really interesting what the drummer's doing with all the cymbal work. All the drums in the song are just cymbal work. Yeah. Such a nice touch. Because I'm a simpleton, and I would never. A simpleton, not bad, not bad. I would never think to do that. I'm coming home to stay. It doesn't feel lacking in drums either, which is interesting. I guess, you know, the bass is busy, not in an overwhelming way, but like, maybe it's just like, man, that bass is going off. I don't need to add kick and snare. Just Yeah, that bass is so powerful. It's a great bass. Such a shame. I love these arrangements. That, that minimal guitar just you know, hitting those same notes. Those are arpeggios. So uh, they take a break from the long songs in this one. Yes. More, I guess, to normal songs. Yeah, but like traditional. They're they're really strong songs. Yes, like, I like this one a lot more than the last one. I still think it's flawed, but I think it's bookended fantastically. Like the first chunk of songs and the last chunk of songs. Mm-hmm. Like the yeah, the only yeah. only two songs in the middle I don't care for so much. Chase the Blues Away is one of my favorites. Absolutely by him. It's 
haunting and beautiful. Incredible. The the guitar playing, I don't know why Lee Underwood uh likes his guitar play. Not that he dislikes it, but <laughs> right. like God, it's it's so so good. Uh so damn good. The river, we got the vibraphone, xylophones, whatever. That's the one of the songs I don't care for. Yeah. The, the river and so lonely are the two I'm not I'm not I'm not into. Um it's a I think I think it hurt I, I enjoyed it less following I must have been mm-hmm. blind, which I, I do like quite a bit. It feels really good following Chase the Blues Away because it's it lightens things up a bit. Uh and then um So Lonely is almost silly with it's like it's like a cute song more than anything. Yeah, I was like, depending on your tastes of music, it's either it's either out of place or it's like a nice little refresher from yeah. like side a to side b yeah it's exactly that um and then it's uh the 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 fall the the last three tracks cafe oh boy i love it i love it i mean i just love his darker songs so much more mm-hmm. I, just, I just i figured that out pretty early on but yeah that one is on the on the darker stuff uh some of the guitar textures on that one are, are just so unsettling and unique like really really interesting odd choices uh like droney stuff mm-hmm. which is you never expect droney guitars on a song like this or an album like this fucking psychedelic folk rock or whatever but it's like oh that's a weirdly kind of creepy guitar line that's actually unsettling him and him and the walker brothers are like yep we're gonna get you motherfuckers dude it's <laughs> so unassuming yeah. both of them uh blue melody is fucking Lovely as hell. It's super melancholy and jazzy, but it feels great. Uh, really relaxing. That, p- that piano in there is, is just angelic. It is one of the most like moody coffee shop songs. Exactly. It's exactly that. Yeah. Um, I, have a, I have a soft spot for that kind of music just because it just I uh, just puts me in like a headspace, very calming, rain, I w- jazzy. I don't I, know. I was like, you could play this at a Starbucks, but I feel like it would fuck up the v- the vibes still how so how this because so? it's it is like moody in certain ways that uh yeah. i suppose it's not it's not neutral enough yes, yes. yeah it, it is still ha- it's still very pretty pretty melancholy um the train is as a, it's a song holy that, fuck the train is uh how you do gypsy woman correctly that's how i feel <laughs> that song i was like Oh, maybe just the solo is free jazz. No, the whole thing is very free jazzy, very beef hearty and but not that super crazy. It's no, it's crazy no. compared to earlier stuff, I yeah. guess, but it's not like wild crazy. It's I guess for for Buckley it's crazy. I suppose. Uh yeah, some of those some of these guitar solos are pretty pretty fucking wild. Yeah. They are nutty. They're yeah. very nutty. I wasn't expecting like a, a free jazz yeah. Odyssey to close out the album. It's uh, a little bizarre, but it develops as it goes on, especially toward the end. Like it keeps going and, and changing. Uh and it's not yeah, it's not just a jam fest. It has a development and it's it's long, it's eight minutes, but it's not I, I didn't feel the length nearly as much as anything on the last album, kind of. More in the vein of a, a, a kraut rock song. Exactly. Whereas uh, Just One was more on CCR, this is mm-hmm. more kraut rock. Uh, it's because it's you never listen to Santana's first three albums. That's the fucking reason. I need you, to get on it. You'd probably hate... I'm actually interested in what you would think. At this point, I might just hate them. Yeah. Who fucking knows. <laughs> uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think... Tim didn't like this album or most people involved didn't like this one. I think it was rushed. I mean, it came out the same fucking year. It's, I, 
it makes it feel like more of a miracle because there's some really great songs on here really strong stuff on here and it, and it even though it's still not paced wonderfully and i don't love every song on here it's paced a million times better than the last album i mean the the the, the fucking first three alone like oh that's mm-hmm. perfect yeah three bangers out, out, out the gate and then you close with three strong ones mm-hmm. uh absolutely that's how you let it uh stick in your memory but on this album or this album was released on straight records sure enough label of frank zappa and herb cohen and i think there was there would be some complications with that later on when the frank zappa and herb cohen of course blew up at each other and i'm pretty sure they had a falling out in the label got messy and stuff happened with rights but all this stuff was eventually re-released and of course it's all streaming but uh on here we got a we got a big we got a celebrity on here. We have one Steve, of the best guitar players of all time. We got Steve Kahn because he played on Steely Dan's Asia and Gaucho. Check out that episode. I fucking hate Steely Dan. <laughs> Asia's yeah. one of the greatest. You go drink your big black cow, Mike. How about that? I hated that band so much. I don't even remember what I gave best to. That's how much I hated the band. It wasn't Asia, even though it probably should have been Asia. I guess according to everyone else, even though I still didn't like the album, but. Uh, he, yeah, he played guitar on Happy Time and So Lonely. Um, so he didn't, he didn't play on the whole thing. But uh, yeah, this is the the first album with Straight. I, I, I think he there will be some more albums on, on Straight, but I, I mm-hmm. forget. I forget exactly. Uh, we'll get to them when we get to them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this was a sort of a kind of brushed under the rug album. They they put it out and kind of moved on very quickly, as you'll see with the, with the next album. Uh, but I think it's good. Yeah, I think it's better paced, more consistent, more variety. Actually has some drums. The last album didn't have any drums except for gypsy woman I think. would you still consider this part of like his folk uh i i wouldn't even yeah i know i kind of would okay because there's there's enough on here that's like pretty mellow mm-hmm. even though the train is not <laughs> the train yeah <laughs> uh but now we're on to the second era yes Yo. now we're like officially like into the second era the the, the, the transitions are done we are now on to it. Yes. So here it is, everybody. This is 1970s Lorca. <laughs> already it's weird i and it doesn't get less weird love this song so much i'm like are we in a horror movie what is what is going on yep this was uh, produced by dick kunk hell yeah brother (laughs) (laughs) what a name I don't even know if we can do this song just no chance we can yeah. it's uh 10 minutes real freeform stuff so weird so there was like no warning there's no. no warning no one no one saw this coming Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. So this is what I mean when I said before that goodbye and hello was dark, but this is a different kind of dark. Yes. This is some fucked up dark. Let the sun. 
Just blow us all away, man. Let's smile. Sounds great. Let the wind. Fucking Dracula organs? What a fucking song. What a fucking song. So bizarre. So we've taken a turn here. Yes. <laughs> I, I I was like, I need every song to like at least contend or be done in the spirit of that song and not even close. Yeah. Not even close. So this is the first the, the first of his crazy experimental albums, mm-hmm. and it is only half-hearted experimental. It, it's that song and the follow-up, and that's it, basically. It really like disappointed me because yeah i love i love that opening song so much it's a it's really it's so it's yeah it's 10 minutes it's a lot of that but as it goes on it gets real wacky it's it's like you're hearing someone lose their mind in real time and it's fucking dark and disturbing and it's fucking cool shit Mm -hmm. and then you get anonymous proposition and i hate it that it's funny because i was like they're both dicking around yeah but there are so many like interesting sounds and choices on Lorca. Yeah. Where anonymous propositions is like very ho hum average. It's it's like free it's free jazz with the only thing tying it into place is the vocals. And his vocals are just like pretty much just wailing over mm-hmm. everything. And it's even hard to make out like the melody of the vocals because of everything is just so f- fucking dicking around. I mean, hitting random notes all over the place. Like everything it's, is a random note. It's not a good choice it, after Lorca. It's also the entire thing. It's a very like Arnold Schoenberg or something or a uh, Bella Bartok, Bar- Bella Bartok, like mm-hmm. the the early twentieth century experimental where it was just, where it was abrasive and wrong notes for the sake of like, mm-hmm. well, everybody played right notes. It's time to play wrong notes, mm-hmm. and it was impossible to listen to. Yeah, it's it's like that. There's more to hold on to because his voice is there and he's singing actual sorrowful vocal lines, but it's hard to even distinguish what he's singing because it's just so much dick and there's so much dicking around. Yeah, uh, I had a talk with my woman. That's just kind of a normal song regular song it's it's, it's the most normal song it's almost it's almost more disturbing hearing a regular song i was like what is he doing it's a good song actually it actually feels like proto grunge to me yeah it's very cool <laughs> what you can't you can't show me that title track and then do that. yeah it, it's it's so strange and it's lighter and it's accessible but it's very it's nice and then drifting it i think is actually very cool it's like a, a kind of a lone cowboy kind of song yes i i think i prefer that over talk with yeah woman. yeah it's yeah i like it a lot too um he's doing a lot of yarl and croony stuff here mm-hmm. he's, he's really embracing the the deepness part of his voice the more baritone side of it uh which sounds phenomenal his his vocals are becoming very very distinct and very uh characteristic and then the closer nobody walking is a fucking another it's another the train or gypsy woman uh and i'm just bored of it i'm tired of it i like those two previous songs way more to me like yeah um i'm surprised i didn't give this any negative act i think this because like for the damn the title track is it's so, so good it's that good that yeah. it fucking avoid <laughs> it's that good and, and also i like 
uh, talk how to talk about with my woman and drifting enough to be like, well, three out of five is uh, you yeah. know, 60% or whatever the percentage is. But yeah, nobody walking. It's just like, oh my God, we we started in such a, a strange, yeah. interesting place. And this is where we're ending. It's We started with an, an insane advancement and then we ended with literally the same thing we did on the last album and then the album before that. Like, yes. It's a, it, it, and, both a huge progression and regression at the same time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely an album. I, I have to come, I have to come back to it though. It's, it's too interesting and bizarre. And like, it's like you would expect this kind of transition to take place over the course of a few albums, but it's all crammed in one. It's so it's like you hear like, here's where we started. Here's where we got a little weirder. And here's where we got his weirdest, but it's all just jumbled up in one album. It's, yeah. it's very strange. Um, and I believe this one was not enjoyed by anyone, including the band. Maybe uh, well, at least that's what I, what I uh, inferred from it because, uh, that's right. Larry Beckett mm-hmm. called this, um, a, a quote, a great artist's failure. So he thought it was a complete disaster. Yeah. Uh, Lee had this to say about it. He said, <clears throat> I would not have used that particular word because I see Lorca as a seminal album, uh, a conceptual stepping stone to the next album that we're going to talk about after this. Uh, and I don't want to get too into it cause it's too much into the, like what mm-hmm. we're going to talk about in a second. But, uh, basically he says like, we need, it's not like, sure. It wasn't the, the exactly what it, it could have been or what maybe he wanted it to be. It's not the easiest thing to listen to now. Maybe it doesn't hold it the best, but we needed it to get somewhere else. It's an important album and it's beautiful for that thing. It, it's a, it's a crawler. It's a crawler. And the next album's a runner. And, uh, this is the, 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 the last quote I'll say from him about this. He says, nothing is a failure if it leads to greater things. God damn. That's some good PMA right there. Dude, I love that. I yeah. love that. Ooh, yeah, baby. Uh, I fucking live my life by that. Uh, on this album, though, we got John Balkin playing upright bass uh, uh, and as well as, you know, pipe organ and, and, a, and a standard Fender bass. Uh, he played on. Francis, Francis, Francis Vincent Zappa, uh, one of the Zappa albums, obviously, and conducts uh, the Avenue Seals, uh, Emuka Electric Orchestra and Chorus. I, I probably pronounced all those words wrong. And Lumpy Gravy, uh, which is, uh, for example, his first solo album and a fantastic album. The, the connections with Zappa seemingly endless, and it's uh, delightful. Of course, Herb Cohen uh, executive produced this. Mm-hmm. Straight records, for example, connection. They're all connected. Uh, and with an album like this, it's way more obvious. Yes. With the first album, it's like, what? what? Yeah. Here, yeah, this is Zappa weird. Yeah. And even uh, even the title track really reminds me of like some of the the, the goofy, spooky stuff on uh, on Freak Out, the first Mother's album. Uh, so yeah, you definitely see a lot of a lot of connections here. But uh, you know, hit and miss. But it's a stepping stone, and we're about to talk about the stone that follows. And are uh, you ready, baby? Oh, I'm. I've since you hit record, I've been ready. Oh yeah, this is 1970s Star Sailor. This is like proto Mars Volta. Yep, kind of, yeah. Oops. 
so you're already hearing some weird buildup and some experimental stuff. The important thing I want to say out the gate, all of these songs are average length songs. And I oh, I didn't even I didn't even think about that. I will fit so much Zappa right here. There's so much Zappa. So gently you tease me. I believe the song links are Turn important to, to this album, but Unlike the young ones because with Lorca, I mean it was fucking ten minutes. So crazy. You expect that though. You expect craziness to kind of go on. You don't expect condensed insanity. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason why I. My like go-to band when I hear like condensed, pro- I always think is System of a Down. Uh-huh. This is what I grew up with, so that's like the first band. I think Darren's like the king of writing short songs that do a lot. Prog rock saps. This is most people are not enjoying this right now. This is bizarre. I'm having a great time. I love it, but it is fucking weird. Hideous. What? Hold on. Hold on. I wasn't expecting this to shift. And his vocals are so fucking painful. I was. Now it's a deep part. I wish I could go give like a give myself this album in my twenties. This would have fit right at home during my beef heart days. So jazzy. So that song. It, it already has gone through a million changes and very unusual changes. Uh, say it. Best. Personal favorite. Uh, this album. My goodness. So this was, yeah, this was almost best. And the only reason why I didn't is because there, was, there were a few moments that are just so fucking insanely abrasive. That it does disrupt the pacing a little bit, even though I do love every song on here. I, yeah, I... Man, even even after Lorca, because there's so much m- mid stuff on Lorca, I was not I was not ready for this album at all. This is if you, it's kind of hard to p- pitch this album, but I would say like yeah, if you're like a prog rock fan, if you're like a uh, like. Even like a psychedelic, mm-hmm. you like the more like Zappa, Hawkwind type stuff. This is such a gem of an album. It is so unique. And every song does something completely strange, some disturbing and fucked up, completely different from the one before it. This is... If if we recorded this before underrated, this would have made my list on most underrated albums. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's man. I don't know why more people don't talk about it. It is well regarded, but it's not talked about very much. I've never heard. No one's ever brought it up to me. No one's ever been like, man, dude, I mean, you're check this fucking star shit out, sailor, dude. It's so crazy. So like. You hear that the opener, and it's by the way, Larry Beck is doing some lyrics on this album, so mm-hmm. he, he came back sooner than I expected. But uh, it's already bizarre; it's already fucking crazy. It's it's that weird 
strange, ugly, hideous Dracula music, and then goes into very uh, beef hearty and jazziness. And then the, the no other song sounds like that. Every other song is fucked up and crazy. But yeah. They all are a different, just a different flavor of fucked up and crazy. Because, yeah, the next track, I woke up. The horns feel so good on that song. God, it's, and yeah. after the disjointed ugliness of yep. "Come Here, Woman," beautiful horns, and coupled with these uh, spidery, spidery guitar notes, like nonsense mm-hmm. guitar notes. There's nonsense notes, don't played really fast, very, very unsettling and formless. A lot of clashing textures. It's like, dude, tr- trying to describe some of these songs is insanely challenging. Like, yeah, it's it's all so drifty and random. It's obviously very experimental, but uh, but it has like an occasional occasional moment of beauty in there. Mm-hmm. It's so it's on like so I I can't think of any album that sounds like this one. Uh, uh, just like the last album, track three is a relatively normal song, mm-hmm. Monterey. I kind of felt like there's some wailing vocals on there though. His vocals on this album are out of control. They're the most. Like they're the most Cedric to me for yeah yeah for like Volta fans he does uh he does it's part of his character and his personality to he does a lot of long drawn out notes like Cedric but a lot of like I mean you heard it just wailing at fucking the highest note ever for a long time yeah um very drawn out words and then you know even even if you think you know what this album is. He's like, let me hit you with Moulin Rouge. Dude, it's beautiful. I hope you guys like wacky cabaret music. I love wacky cabaret it's music. It's almost carnival music. Yeah, it's almost. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's a step off. But <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's super short. It's less than two minutes. And it just, it's like, he just threw, just threw in that little novelty um, song there. And it's really well done. Uh, and then you get fucking Song of the Siren. So pretty. Oh, God damn so good so dreamy so floaty it's hopeful and passionate very very moving and lovely uh tim sounds fucking incredible on it uh after that we got some fucking insanity with jungle fire man yeah so that's actually a good example because where i had a problem with um What's the what's that song from the last time I was read? Uh, Anonymous proposition from Lorca. Yeah, where it said it was like a bunch of dicking around, and his voice is the thing holding it down. That Jungle Fire is that, but well, but yes. but good. I guess you don't have time to dick around on the shorter songs. I get, I guess so. But it's like it, the the melody is stronger. It's easier to to. It's more tangible. You can understand it easier, so it's easier to to keep your attention. Um, it's chaos with a bunch of nonsense, but you don't lose the song in it. Mm-hmm. You still, you still feel the songness of it. Um, yeah, two, like two minutes, 15, it goes into like full hard rock kind of thing. Um, uh, it's, I, I don't know. I don't understand how it works so well. Like, I can't like scientifically explain why it works. Cause it, it feels like none of it should work. That's yeah. That's the whole album kind of in a nutshell. Like, uh, yeah. Like if you don't, if you don't like that for, First song, like you probably won't. That's probably it's a safe litmus <laughs> test for sure, uh, because it is weird. But it also does the thing where it goes into this jazzy part. That's like, oh, that's that's kind of swingy. Yeah. Uh, but if you don't, if you didn't enjoy that, yeah, fuck no. It doesn't. <laughs> I mean, maybe Mulan Rouge your life, uh, but then <laughs> the title, the title track. It's one of his greatest songs. It's so fucking cool. Disturbing. That's I, one that's hard to to defend in terms of like a. Uh, an enjoyable song. <laughs> I I like it, but, but it is not because I think it's a, a pleasant musical experience. 
It's also funny because you look at the album cover and... and <laughs> Fucking ridiculous, dude. And the album cover... <laughs> it's just smiling. You're like, yeah, that's a generic 60s, 70s type thing. Even like Star Sail, you're like, that's not super psychedelic. Even the name, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but... Oh, my God. Um, just... Yeah, you're either cool and you like this album, or you're lame and you don't. <laughs> yeah, that's one hipster way to, to look at it. Like, listen, dude, you're with us, you're against us. Yeah. But the title track, uh, so he does it a lot on this album, but especially in that song, he is going fucking buck wild with the vocals. A lot of yodeling. He's doing a lot of... Mm-hmm. He's do, he is officially losing his fucking mind here. He's not just doing the wailing. Yes. He's doing the dark, deep croons. He's doing the wailing. He's doing the yodeling. He's doing the, some weird screaming stuff. He's... He is fucking beyond. He's mm-hmm. beyond any vocalist from this time period. Um, Healing Festival's cool because it's uh, a blending of prog rock and, and free jazz. And again, artists do that all the time. But again, it's this unique the way it's presented here that that one really reminds me of mother's invention i feel like you would really like the mothers now hearing i know enjoyment of this album yeah it's it's not that yeah i i know i know i need to listen to it i'll probably be upset that i've been putting them off for decades there it's a it's a mixed bag because there's a lot of uh there's like the canon albums and then Mm -hmm. there's the albums that are like they're released posthumously but they compiled a bunch of a bunch of stuff and it, it's become to the point where those basically are canon now even though they were released way later and it's a, essentially compilations mm-hmm. and some of those and I'm just going to say for people who know Mothers Burt Weenie Sandwich and Weasel's Rip, Weasel's Rip My Flesh I think those will, will be your albums okay they're the, the far more serious Mothers albums and less less silly and, and goofy and, and they were posthumous okay um, yeah also but I feel like if you're enjoying this, there's no way you won't enjoy those yeah, fucking I, batch of albums. I, I know I know there's a lot in that I'll enjoy. Yeah. It's just, incredible band. It's just laziness on my part. Uh but uh then he closes it with uh Down by the Borderline. And man, Dude. again, there's just so much Zappa and Beefheart on this album, but it, it doesn't it doesn't sound like them, it just feels like them. That that song is probably like what you want Gypsy Woman to sound like. I, Probably. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean, it is There's, so good. And that fucking trumpet on there is yes. fantastic. The, I mean, the trumpet throughout the entire thing is fantastic. Uh, very jazzy song. Uh, this album is just so strange. And and with the songs like the title track, I mean, the, the, the song, aside from him wailing, going nuts, is a swirling choir of fucked up disturbing voices mm. it's terrifying it's just a horror movie soundtrack. yes there's nothing like it's not like musical in any way it's just fucking creepy and scary uh so you get that shit mixed in with all this it's impossible to peg down completely unpredictable that's the uh that's the face of a uh a local youth pastor who invites you to hang out, but then you go into the basement and there's all sorts of cosmic horrors going on. Dude, that, that, that luring, nice, sweet, handsome face. No, dude, you don't trust that. You don't trust this man. That star sailor is up to no good. This. Uh, and what, what strikes me huh? to get ahead a little bit. It's just like, I was like, yes, 
Yep. More, more. And this is it. This is, spoiler, yeah, this is it for there are him no, being weird. There are no transitional albums. Nope. There is no bridge to the next one. It is <laughs> this, and it's done. He know, and it's an anomaly to me, because how did this happen? Why did this happen? And why did he why, stop abruptly? Why not? Yeah, I mean, Maybe I, guess money. The, I guess there is, <laughs> I could Probably, I think it was money. Probably the yeah. label. Probably the label. Well, actually, now that I'm remembering, uh, the, he lost so many fans with these albums with Lorca and this one. <laughs> he lost so many fans. Man. And then he might have been dropped. I don't re- recall exactly. He might have been dropped. That would make a lot of sense. If he was I'm sure these didn't sell well. Yeah. And then uh, when he re- when he reformed with his, his next band, with, with the next three albums, he didn't play any songs ever from these albums. Fuck. It is this out of time, out of space. Yep. Fucking who man. Uh, we, you know, we've covered a lot of albums that didn't get their dues when they were released, but this is, this is up there. He sure is. This was, uh, so this was obviously re- released on straight. Maybe it wasn't dropped cause it was released on straight, which is Zappa's label is yeah, very, the norm for them but the interesting thing about that and this is where i remember um the the falling out or the, the problems uh lick my decals off baby by cousin before was also released on this album i'm sorry this label mm-hmm. and because of uh the lawsuit between herb cohen and frank zappa those this album and that album were completely out of print and very hard to find on cd uh but eventually it was it was reissued uh, in uh 2006 i think i do but, for a long time it was not easy. I do remember a friend like when um you like downloading music became he was like very excited. He had a way to like ha- like get in a attainable way to get like my details off, baby. I remember that one being we talked about it a little bit on our Captain Beefheart episode, but uh that one being like a mystery, like how do we get this album? How mm-hmm. like, what is this this missing Captain Beefheart album? Uh, and yeah, I didn't hear it till years, years later, years after um, um, I discovered before. But uh, yeah, this is a this is a fucking once in a generation album, pretty much once in a career album, apparently. Maybe a once in the history of mankind album. Yeah, and the thing, <laughs> I, possibly, and the thing I, I love about this one so much more, especially compared to Lorca, is that on the surface it sounds just as random and just as fucking bananas, mm-hmm. but underneath there's way more intention in these songs there's way more like thought because again they don't all feel like the same song they don't uh it doesn't feel like random dicking around uh once you like you really digest what's what's happening like each song has its own story in in a way i don't know if the album lorca had a mission this album has a mission especially with which i i I teased at the very beginning didn't didn't bring up the song lengths are are so short like you you don't uh let hit record and then dick around and and experiment for just four minutes yeah so like the fact that these gotta be tight yeah these, these are short songs clearly like no these are methodic methodically written they're fucking batshit but they're mm-hmm. thought out they're uh that's what and it's a short album it's like 36 minutes it's a, it feels really contained intentional uh and absolutely insane it's it's wonderful stuff um if you like noise rock psychedelic yep f- free jazz ornette coleman 
the like I'm throwing a lot of things out there because I think it will like unite weirdos not normal people but no we don't need normal people we're tired <laughs> of normal people this just the weirdos uh this i i didn't mention um the the issues over the like the rights and the release with this album also applied to blue afternoon because that was that was also on straight but on this album we have uh maury baker on percussion who is also a percussionist uh, and organist for ars nova and worked with janice joplin we got Shocker, shocker, shocker. Bunk Gardner, great name. Hell yeah. Uh, on fl- uh, alto flute and, and tenor sax, who, who was a woodwind player for the Mothers of Invention. Shocker, mm-hmm. shocker, shocker. You got Buzz Gardner. He was Bunk's brother. Yep. And of course, he also played with uh, Mothers of Invention. Buzz and Bunk. And uh, according to Tom, both brothers make a, a minor, make minor uncredited appearances on Chartmaster Replica. There it is. Holy shit. I mean, you don't get this many similarities with the, cr- the crazy era of Beefheart and Zappa without mm-hmm. literally having overlapping people. And I mean, it's it's wild stuff. Um, and of course, you get uh, engineer Stan uh, Agle or Agle who worked with Frank Zappa. The, the, the overlap is just impossible to, to fucking chronicle. But Lee Underwood has lots of good things to say about this album uh as he should as he should so uh this is what he says about um about this album he says when star sailor came out in late 69 early 1970 it was a remarkable departure from mainstream pop music hey you don't say that is also interesting because when you you talk about your your beatles your your rolling stones and the who's you think like man these like wacky psychedelic cats are doing like a white album yeah. or rock operas or like oh they they were like sure and yeah. it's great i like Those it were bold and great albums but then this is yeah. a step of maybe n- before before yeah before but also sure it's not going to win the hearts of millions it is actually going to do the complete opposite it's going to alienate millions but it was braver and more difficult and way more experimental I th- if you like experimental this is like experimental i th- i think i also bring it up because i think those bands would like appreciate the fuck out of this album definitely yeah definitely like it's you can't really compare it to like a white album because white album is it's like oh yeah these are still incredibly beautifully written songs whereas the, the songs on here are like fucking just wild yeah <laughs> it's just sheer wild insanity but Lee goes on to say, he says, uh, he used none of the blues, cli- blues cliches of the day, and Tim's singing stood head and shoulders above anybody else, not only the astonishing beauty of his voice, but the amazing ways in which he utilized his voice as a mus- musical instrument. Uh, Lee is, his his way with words when describing his love for Tim and his music is unparalleled. Uh, on point, yes. Uh, he goes on to say, the music itself was conceptually rooted in avant-garde jazz and modern classical music and vocally innovative. Tim often sang nonverbal sounds, swooping, yodeling, yelping, and cooing. Mainstream audiences of that day simply did not know what to make of it. Since that time, listeners the world over have heard zillions of interesting and sometimes provocative approaches to sound in general and music in particular. I think Tim's star sailor music will delight and shiver the spines of modern listeners as evidence on um, this My Fleeting House DVD. Um, I think that's a, it's a live DVD with um, some performances of this era. 
I'm going to buy that DVD right now. Hell yes, dude. Hell yes. Uh, and he closes it with great composition, brilliant singing, ultra modern and immensely uh, imminently accessible to contemporary ears. Uh, and then Tom <laughs> adds that this guy really knows how to sell the shit out of Tim Buckley. Uh, holy, like his, He's so eloquent with how he exp- described. He's so, let him toast his podcast. <laughs> Jesus Christ! He really should. Um, also, you know, if you're watching, you c- you're literally he's literally buying the fucking thing right now. Yes. Oh, holy shit! Yeah, a man who puts his money where his mouth is. Look at that. Take note, ladies. Uh, one thing, uh, Tom, he noted here. Uh, it's a little connective note here. He says. Uh, the British group Star Sailor, formed around 2000, were unsurprisingly named after this album. They had a few hits in the UK and were pretty big there for a few years. Uh, he says, I remember Silence is Easy as the big one, uh, although they had uh, a hit in France and Belgium with Four, four to the Floor in 2004. Jesus Christ, what a, what a sentence that is. Four to the Floor in 2004. Anyway, well, Phil Spector. There we go. There purchase, we go. order, place. <laughs> Damn, look at that. Fast. <laughs> Uh, Phil Spector produced some of uh, the Science is Easy album from, from the band Star Sailor before getting uh, before getting fired and it was his last recorded work before he murdered Lana Clarkson. That's fucking holy shit, dude. Real quick, we were talking about people who like musicians who lived in proximity. Yeah. Fuck. Oh yeah, Alhambra. He killed her in Alhambra, which is the city uh, very nearby for, for both of us. <sighs> Man, wild, and it's not like a a, a known city. It's a very small like, no, town. It's part of why he lived there. He's just like, yeah, no one comes here. Yeah. I can go to the store, and it's like a Chinese community, it's and heavily Chinese community. Yeah, yeah, no, no one know. They don't care. Yeah. about Phil Spector. A lot, a lot of Alhambra <laughs> is just in. It's just all literally Chinese store store, like no English, um, but. Yeah, that's fucking mind blowing. Also, no fucking witnesses for when he murders. But uh, this is the full circle thing. He says uh, this takes us full circle as Jack Nietzsche uh, did the arrangements on the first Buckley album, who was a you know, longtime collaborator, collaborator of Spectre. Everything's connected, baby. Star Sailor, the band, Phil Spectre, Jack Nietzsche, fucking Frank Zappa. Damn, El- <laughs> everything's connected. Alhambra, California. Alhambra, California. I'm going to check out this band, Star Set. I'm sure they don't sound anything like the album, but... Yeah, they might be Britpoppy. I imagine you might, you probably wouldn't like them. Probably not. Brit- but one Pop song... is not my, not my thing. Give one song a shot and you'll know, probably. Uh, but yeah, Alex's Best, my personal favorite. Oh, fucking wild ride the basically probably the reason nick requested this episode is probably for this album if i had to guess i i wanted to give this album everything but finding out the next era was called sex funk i'm like i gotta give it up i, I gotta give it up there. i didn't know it was called sex funk yeah it does make it a lot more entertaining <laughs> that it's called that <laughs> holy shit but Time to move on to the sex funk era. <laughs> Holy shit. So, uh, like we said, this didn't do, uh, alienated a lot of people. He he formed the sex funk band. And <laughs> we have a, a whole two-year break, which is pretty uh, not, we don't get too many of those in this discography. So here we go, baby. This is 1972's Greetings from L.A. <laughs> This is 
so jarring after. ZZ Top, dude. What the fuck is happening? What did we go through? It's like it's like Star City was a fucking dream. It was a dream. Bar Rock, Bluesy Bar Rock. And I found myself a big, big old healthy woman. Lordy, Lordy. That lyric. That lyric was why I wasn't disappointed. I'm like, alright. We've got the fucking RB backup vocals. This really upset me. <laughs> it could be worse. I wasn't like, oh. it could be worse, but what the fuck, man? Uh, if you tell me you're married. <laughs> if you tell me you're married, I forgot about this lyric. Yeah. Dude, like those lyrics are so much more sleazy knowing that he he left out on his kid. It's the lyrics saved this album for me. This album sucks so bad. No. I fucking hate this album. No, this is his his, his second best sex funk. Oh my god. The lyrics yeah, if they weren't so fucking sleazy, I'd probably hate this, but yeah, this is talking about banging fat women and meeting kids when their fathers aren't home and the Cajun the Cajun vocals he's got the Cajun vocals man man and then like sweet surrender I thought we were just going like full sleaze but there's like a string section in (laughs) dude the the intro is so unusual and it has like hints of Latin I mean, there's a lot of actually hints of Latin throughout the album, but mm-hmm. on that song is the first time we get it. And then here's the thing. That song was almost a good song to me. Almost. At, it was. At uh, I, it, bo- <laughs> it just bores me around, uh, when is it coming? About a minute and a half in, it comes in with such a fucking ass kicking section. Incredible fucking hard hitting riff. What, like maybe his his most hard-hitting riff maybe ever. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is, oh, this is fucking amazing. And then it moves on, and for the rest of the fucking six, and almost seven-minute song, it doesn't go there again. Mm-hmm. And it broke my heart. Uh, so I eventually just became a total disappointment for me. Although his vocals are still extremely oh, entertaining. Yes. I mean, yes. his vocals, I don't like the sex funk era. <laughs> his vocals are so good all the time. They are. And then... The best song on the album, Devil Eyes. It, uh, you know, it is, I can't, it's not my thing, but it, I cannot say it's bad. It's not my thing either, because he's got a foot fetish. Is that what the song's about? He talks about something about feet, and then he talks about. I do- all of this, dude. <laughs> he talks about doing something called a monkey rub. What the fuck is a monkey rub? Finding out right now. It sounds overtly sexual like something you would hear leon phelps the lady the lady the ladies man say we're gonna it's, it's gonna be completely inaccurate but we're going urban dictionary oh yeah yeah, yeah. It i'm might. sure it's gonna have like a million different a monkey rub uh when a fat 
teach rubs her butt against something as they walk past. What? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Mate. <laughs> what? <laughs> Mate, maybe it's this one a fat girl grazes past you. Maybe. A monkey rub? Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. I mean, when a fat teach rubs her butt against something as, as they walk past, that's probably it. Yeah, they didn't have twerking. Um, am I? Is their volume? Is their volume on? It's uh, no, no, no. I if I'm on. Okay, I I got past it. Are you gonna find the? Oh, you're gonna find the actual actual lyric? Yeah, monkey rub. What the fuck? What a bizarre album. It almost sounds like a, it's a slur too. A little bit. Oh no, 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 no. this is way more sexual than oh. big girl rubbing up against you. I like I'm, to think the whole I'm, album is just about big girls. I probably is. <laughs> I'm down between the sheets. I do the monkey rub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is about big girls. <laughs> I do the monkey rub. I'm going to fucking use that, dude. Down between the sheets. Ah, oh, that big old girl do the monkey rub. <laughs> Look at that big old girl do the monkey rub. Dude, this is the, the poet that gave us goodbye and hello and the insane music musicality and uh, avant-garde shit in Sarah Sailor. Oh, come on, girl, do the monkey rub. This gets so much better. I'm so glad I had to look this up. A woman pull down those black silk stockings down. Well, I'm going to lick all around those stretch marks. <laughs> Wet the tongue between the toes. I've never heard anyone. <laughs> Two lab crew, eat your heart out. I've never heard anyone talk, let alone sing about licking stretch marks. I've never heard that. That line is, he's a fucking innovator. He's a saint. I'm telling you, the lyrics fucking save the shit out of this. I album. take it back to some fucking rips. <laughs> Dude. It's just an ode to banging big women. <laughs> Looking stretch marks, <laughs> dude. I I can't believe how funny these lyrics are, dude. I can't believe how funny they are. There, I listen after like after this stretch. I was like, I need to listen to Wheeler Walker. Like, it's oh yeah, so sexually charged. Like, this I, is it's sincere Wheeler Walker. I mean, because Wheeler Walker <laughs> is a sincere artist, but <laughs> the, the, the lyrics are comedy. This is listen, girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh no this isn't an act it doesn't read as comedy it reads like pervy but like it makes it so much funnier i love i love sleazy music and i didn't realize we were on 169 i would have probably tried to pick another overtly sex sexual band oh yeah but we we, we did it dude it, this the star sailor guided us in the right direction dude the star sailed us to, to glory uh, fucking licking stretch marks. Amazing. Fucking. Oh, man. All right. How come the song's not called Monkey Rub? Yeah, it, and we have Devil Eyes. Yeah, de yeah. No, Monkey Rub is what it's. We're, we're honorary, honorarily renaming it. Uh, but following that, we got Hong Kong Bar, which I think is actually, ironically, the most interesting thing here musically because mm. it's, it's a minimal bluesy thing, which I find usually not interesting at all. Yeah. But I found it to be I like the way it's done here. And then the closer make it right. Dude, uh, I actually kind of like it. Make it right is cool because I bet too many people don't listen to ELO and you're like, I wonder what ELO would sound like if they were scumbags. 
This is this is the song. It's a good song. This, a, yeah, you're right. The string section is it's super it, yellow sounding. Very um Jeff Jeff Lynn like yeah, and totally yeah. yeah. Where it has almost a where you you see where it's turning into disco that mm. that type of string. Uh, well written, good song, good closer. There's probably better lyrics on there than any yellow song. <laughs> oh no doubt about it, dude. I'm gonna need to sit down. <laughs> Do I want to change my mind? No, I'm going to stick with it. Fucking A, dude. So this was a huge letdown. And I don't think it's a great album, especially musically. But you take into account these fucking radical sex funk lyrics. You know what? There's something to be had here. It's a good time to be had here. Holy crap, dude. So I feel uh, like... Yeah, like this is just for me. Like, oh, you like kind of weird avant-garde stuff oh do you like overtly raunchy songs ridiculous raunchy here's tim buckley what i are- can't believe this guy's this guy's career it's, it's <laughs> fucking doesn't make any sense the only way this would be better is if they let him call himself tim fuckley during this era <laughs> That's the only way it gets better. Dude, Tim Fuckley. Dude, t- oh my God. If the- Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. Dude, you would have been a legend. I'm going to call this era the Tim, Tim, Fu- Tim Fuckley. Tim, Tim Fuckley era. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I didn't know. I didn't realize how sexual these albums were. They... If you have overtly pervy lyrics, I will I will find them and I will gravitate to them. Oh man, that's great. <laughs> uh so on this album we got Vanetta Fields, who was a former Iket for Ike and Tina Turner. R.I.P. Tina Turner, who R.I.P. Died, uh, very recently died. Um, Went up to that big beautiful Thunderdome in the sky. <laughs> Clyde King was a session singer on fucking Sweet Home Alabama. Very interesting overlap. This is a be- this is a better better album oh oh sh- for sure uh chuck rainey on bass who played with aretha franklin steely dan and etta james uh you got jerry goldstein or goldstein uh who's a member of the strange loves the the i want candy band mm-hmm. uh former manager of sly stone oh yeah and a co-writer of my boyfriend's back which was made famous by the angels in 1963 uh and of course, you got Cal Schenkel, who did the album design, uh, who did a lot of album covers for Frank Zappa, as well as Trout Mask Replica, and, uh, and a few Tom Waits albums. There we go. You have to have the Zappa connection. Uh, but yeah, sex funk, dude, fucking licking strix marks and uh, sucking toes. And, and that's what and, <laughs> and monkey rubs. And, mo- and the monkey rub. <laughs> Holy shit. Musically, I don't like it at all, though. But we're on to the next. I. It's for me. It's for Alex. It's funky. Here we go, baby. Two more left. Mm -hmm. This is 1973's Sophronia. I think this album is a regression. Why? Not enough enough sex talk? Not. Not. if, If you like the sex, sex funk. There's not really a lot here. If you like the weird avant-garde stuff, there's not a lot here. There's yeah. none. There's none. I think this is a beautiful opener, but it is also a cover from Fred Neal, old old folk singer. Or maybe he wrote it for him. I don't, I don't know exactly. But I think it's a very nice song. 
with the early stuff very croony but he said man Tim sounds so good on the song do you ever do you ever very uh, romantic sounding sounding vocals here this old world will never change you also hear if you compare his voice here to some of the earlier albums his technique has actually gotten way stronger like his vibrato is way more uh, like even yeah yeah Less forced. Can't change it back again. Almost like Tom, uh, Tom Jones in a way. Yeah. 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 You can play this at a wedding. Yeah. In the sea. Well, this album is more of, well, the same except funkier. I, 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 I like it more than the, musically. I like it more than the last one, maybe. I can't say that much more. I feel like this whole sex funk era is one bad bag of sex funk. Worst, least favorite. <laughs> all right. All right, dude. Not enough sex funk. Well, Oops, oh, still sorry. Uh, I don't blame you. Uh, I don't like it at all. And uh, there, there's stuff here that I do enjoy, like that opener. Mm-hmm. But it, all, all in all, I was just sad that there wasn't anything I haven't heard before. Everything here I've heard before. Yeah, like... Even something like Quicksand, it's like, it's a fun song. It's a, Actually, that's one of the strongest songs here, but it's still like, well, we've heard plenty of songs like this. It's yeah. a cool song, but it's like, yeah. Or even like Because of You's like, that's a fun, like smooth disco song. That one actually reminds me a lot of Tom Jones. Yeah. Um, it's 70 as fuck. It's very dark, but it's got some disco strings and hi-hats in there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's dancey. It's not my flavor exactly, but it's well done. The only the only good song, well, not only good song, but like the title track is cool. Which of the title tracks? Oh, sorry. It's, it's cut into two parts. There's after the uh, Ask Little Page of Father Kafka, and then there's the King's Chain. Fuck. So here's here's the difference. The the one with the long Father Kafka or whatever, or Fatur Kafka, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck it's called. They don't have the they don't have the lyrics. Whichever one, I thought it was one track. Whichever whichever one where he sings about dark nipples. <laughs> I don't know exactly because uh, they're. There, I'm gonna say it's probably the King's Chain. The King's Chain is the more, uh, the one that sounds like the rest of the album, mm-hmm. which I don't like. It's just regular glossy '70s. But the the after Kafka, I don't know why I was. You know what, I, dude? Fucking, I read it from from Apple. I think it's uh it's all stupid and, dis- it's and all jumbled up. up. Let me double check. Yeah, I was I was saying Fatter Kafka because on Apple Music it says Fatter. It's after Kafka, but they just put Fatter on Apple Music. They wrote Fatter. So weird. Morons. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, after Kafka, that one uh, I think is one of the best songs on here. It's uh, it's entirely carried by Tim's voice. Uh, it's it's very passionate. It's very interesting. It's it's more. Uh, it's, oh, it feels deeper than the rest and less like standard soul or folk or whatever the fuck this is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's only like three minutes. It's more of like a, a it's like a, a lengthy intro to the King's Chain, the the follow-up, mm-hmm. you know, two halves of the same song. Um, but yeah, the King's Chain is just not really interesting to me. Closes with Sally Go Round the Roses and I am so fucking bored at that point. I can't, can't, can't do it. That sounds like 
Maya Rudolph <laughs> when she does her like comedy singing like salad. Oh, I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you've seen like Big Mouth, you know exactly uh, what I'm talking about. Uh, we also got the Tom Waits cover of, of Martha, which I heard. I was listening to it. I'm like, oh, this is actually nice. It's got a full orchestral intro. Oh, right. It's a cover. It's a Tom Waits song. That makes more sense. Uh, it's, it's like a piano. It's just straight up piano ballad. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I do. I don't care for. I know. I'd recognize your face. <laughs> fucking stinks. Uh, boring, forgettable ballad. Uh, Stone in Love absolutely broke me. Shitty, ridiculous funk. <laughs> I that song could have been saved if it was depraved enough. Oh right, of course. But it's it's this. It's in it's love. Got, it's got nothing. Yeah, it's got nothing on what I just heard on Greetings from LA. Peanut Man is some silly, stilly Dan bullshit. Fucking can't I, stand it. I didn't realize most of these things were covers. A lot that explains a lot. I didn't realize it either. Yeah, a lot. That the, explains a lot. This is not a. Yeah, it's it's kind of a shame. This is considered canon. Uh, apparently, this is considered his most, according to this quote, uh, his most overproduced and underwhelming effort. Which I agree with. Yeah, everything that's not a cover is mostly co-written by Larry Beckett and Buckley. Mm-hmm. Only uh, the only song solely written by Buckley is Stone in Love. No, no, and Quicksand. Quicksand, quicksand and Stone in Love. And the t- the title. Well, oh, you're this solely. So, yeah, okay, everything else never. is co-written by Beckett or a cover. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just fucking boring. And it feels so uh, deflated. There's like, even though there's energetic moments, like with a song like Quicksand, as as a whole, you're, you something's sorely missing. You mm-hmm. feel like the fatigue in him. Yeah. Uh, even though his, song, his voice still sounds great, the songs are just there's nothing there. He's not done yet, baby. He's not done yet. He's not done yet. Uh, uh, one thing I, I forgot to mention on the last album, but it applies to this one. The they say overproduced, but easily the best production he's ever had. Cl- it, clean and crisp and clear. It doesn't sound bad, and I nope. guess when you're doing these croony orchestral pop cover songs you need good production and it does sound nice even though i love his voice it's nice to have him balanced in the mix instead of overpowering everything Mm -hmm. it feels a lot more comfy even though the songs really don't help (laughs) they're not the greatest things ever no i think he should have gone full cajun man on all all these songs yeah yeah oh boy you know this cover he looks like the biggest sleaze bag on this cover though out of all the covers, I think he looks oh, the yeah. most like a douchebag. Yeah, that's not a flattering photo. Yeah, he looks uh, like a guy who's done some uh, some some home wrecking. That looks like a guy who carries around Spanish fly. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Still, and th- <laughs> like, but today though, like a twenty twenty three, still carries around Spanish fly. Oh, yeah. Still and thinking still, it works. Still calls it that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, Alex is Worsley's favorite. Not great in uh, I guess widely considered not great in uh, yeah, I, I won't be. Coming back to this one, I don't. No, thank you. But we got one more, baby. One more. Last one. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Sure hope you like funk and sex. It's back. It's fucking back, baby. This is 1974's Look at the Fool. Each and every day. And the production is back to being shitty. I don't even care because those vocals. His, like, Otis Redding, yep. like... <laughs> this is what Jackie Moon listens to. 
This is pretty fucky. This is a very fucky song. I like this song. That's a good pretty- I already knew this was going to be a better album. This is like 30 seconds in. This is a- He sounds, he's almost doing like a Tim, a Tom Waits kind of thing here. Yeah. He's, like something like he's the, doing a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The years won't be kind. I love you more than I care about myself. This is a man. It's a great song. And this is like a... Uh, like, I would have loved to hear Charles Bradley cover this song. Oh, yeah. Oh. Charles would have, like, every Killed cover it. song. Killed yeah. So, oh, man. So, say it. Personal favorite. Worst least favorite. Personal favorite. You're fucking yeah. <laughs> uh, This, this fucking this. album destroyed me. <laughs> I hate every. That song is great. Every other song, I can't. Every every other song, I no. can't take. No, well, except for uh, who could deny you? You, you? Who? Yeah, who could deny? Um, <laughs> obviously, Mike can. Fuck sure it. can. Bring it on up. He's singing about getting his thighs sucked on. <laughs> like <laughs> hell yeah, hell yeah. You're a weirdo. Um, I love. I love, I love Helpless because Helpless Blues. Uh, yeah, they, oh, oh, and it's, uh, no, uh, it's, it's, it's maybe called Helpless on Apple. I guess it's Helpless Blues. One of the two. Yeah. Um, because he's singing about making love like a skin cat across the highway. Like that sounds fucking violent. That's very violent. I so I really don't like the song, but even still, his vocals. Are fucking amazing, like throughout yeah, everything. After that snooze fest on the last album, he's he really is killing it. He sounds phenomenal. It's the um, songs that I fucking hate. It's, no. it's all funk. I'm not a big funk guy. Yeah, no. This but if if thing is, I like I said before, the best I can always be turned. I can be turned by some quality funk. Yeah. This, is, this doesn't feel like quality funk to me. <laughs> tell me this, this is not quality funk. You can't tell me that. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> I wasn't ready to defend it like that. I was ready to, to defend it as a deprived, sexually charged. <laughs> okay, fair enough. On those grounds, continue. Yeah. Um, man. Uh, and then, yeah, I bought up I bought up Spanish Fly because Wanda Lou. He's he like actually talks about having Spanish fly. Oh my god! And I'm pretty sure he's singing about butt sex. <laughs> and then at a certain point, I have to go for my low hanging fruit. I'm like, the song should have this been called Wanda Poon. <laughs> Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> oh lordy lordy! You know that song? It's funny because yeah. it's called Wanda Lou. It's just a shittier Louie Louie, all but funky. You mean better? I don't. Well, I don't love Louis Louis. So maybe it's a better Louis Louis. It's uh, certainly more depraved. Uh, fucking down in the streets. Um, he says like the streets are moaning. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Oh man, I kind of want to know what that means. Uh, he also talks about in America, there's plenty of room at the top for everybody. Not no more, Buckley. Not no more. Not mm-hmm. no more. Mm-hmm. That's a different America. <sighs> Oh yeah. 
Um, and then Freeway Blues. He goes, I'm convinced Dave Matthews heard that song. And he's like, I want to sing like that. And just that. Oh, my God. Uh, it's the most like. Like he does. A, he does a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Freeway Blues is truly terrible. I mean, it's truly terrible. I like it. <laughs> Tijuana Moon killed me. Uh, I, but it's like I, I couldn't knock it much more than the rest. Uh, it's just in my in my soul, it's atrocious funk. And I didn't realize this was a sex funk album. That's my bad. That's oh, my bad. I didn't sure. know that it was a sex funk album. Sir, this is a win. <laughs> Sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> I need to go back and re different in a different light because you know uh, I I didn't I glossed over I I forgot to read the stuff on the last album yeah but Tom noted uh, that uh, that fucking Roy uh, Sakala or Sakala Sakala I can't pronounce his name sorry uh-huh. um, he's one of the engineers and a fucking like he's one of those guys that worked on every famous thing. Hendrix, Sinatra, Four Seasons, John Lennon, Aerosmith, like every Bowie, yeah, huge, and there's like a bunch of a bunch of engineers on here, like 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 maybe five more in addition to him. And Tom shrewdly pointed out because I don't think he listened to that album. He uh-huh. says I could be wrong, but this many engineers reads to me like efforts to fix a shitty product. <laughs> and he would be right. He would be absolutely correct. Uh, in this album. Well, for one, it sounds way worse. There's not so many heavy hitters on this one. I would love if this album was just recorded in his bedroom. I, w- especially with how sexual it is, I would love that. Uh, the last album, as well as this one, also, also all the members are over 250 pounds. They're funk, of course they are. Uh, the last album, as well as this one, were both released on Disc Reet Records, which is a, a sub label of Warner Brothers. And uh, founded by, you guessed it, Frank Zappa and Herb Cohen. There we go. Uh, so the, the connections stake to the very, very end. Uh, so is it just the sex lyrics that, that makes this your favorite? No, I think I, well, I almost like in the moment changed it to greetings from yeah, LA. But, but I, I think I do like the music here better. I'm a funk guy. I like the funk. I would say his vocals are more like unhinged and all over the place here where like greetings from LA, you're getting the, the more like it's cage, watered down. Yeah. That like Cajun, like ZZ top, yeah. like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh, uh, those type vocals. And this is just like, his vocals are all over the place. The lyrics are probably better on greetings from LA. Okay. But I think I do like, I do like the music better here. Uh, okay, so it's not it's not just the the novelty of the <laughs> wackiness. I mean, it's it's a big part of it. I can't I can't deny it. And yeah, I'm just like I I have to give it up for something in this era. <laughs> I suppose someone here had to. Someone had to. Someone has to. And looking at the reviews, I don't think this is a, no. a, a well liked album. Absolutely, and you could tell judging by the cover alone, like. Yeah, it's it's the only one that's not a photo, I, except for like Lorca. But it looks. I love how all the album tr- covers are kind of interchangeable. Like it doesn't yeah, fucking matter. But this, for some reason, this one feels the jankiest. Like it's it looks like him, but it doesn't look 
like exactly he like him. Like a shitty painting. <laughs> he almost looks like Michael Landon a little bit. Yeah. Like he, he, yeah. Just, he looks a little off. So it just seems a little janky. Uh, having said that, there still are a couple heavy hitters on here. We have Mike uh, Melvoin, who is another prolific studio musician who worked with Sinatra, Barbara Streisand, Tom Waits, uh, and then Earl Palmer on drums. Uh, apparently, he was according to his wiki entry, one of the inventors of rock and roll. Oh, shit. You invented rock and roll? Look, look, oh, yeah. That, that dude... Inv- just looking at his face. Never mind. He invented rock and roll. He has the face of a man who invented rock and roll. Yes. It's him and Ike Turner. They yeah. invented rock and roll. Yeah. It's the, it's the same way like Charles Bradley. I was like... I was like... This motherfucker's calling himself a victim of love and then I saw... No, he... If you look at his face. Oh, this... It, my, yeah, this man no, is... No, Earl Palmer... absolutely invented rock and roll and last uh big note about this album the only one without lee underwood Mm, mm, mm. no lee underwood and no explanation don't know why but i imagine it's because this last final era this was like when things were getting a lot worse sure and uh i don't yeah i don't believe he this went over well (laughs) i don't think this album did that that well Um, again this this feels like very specific for for me <laughs> yeah dude absolutely uh apparently because of that's so funny that he didn't just do bad because these are like arguably pretty not great albums but because of the sex funk lyrics he couldn't get airplay so he was just like a, a, a sex renegade at this to this point in time dude it's like i'm gonna do a mount rushmore i got two it's like tim Buckley and Uncle Luke from Two Live Crew on like sexually charged, hilarious lyrics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they the the kings, man. Yeah, Cool Keith might be on there for me. Right. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. That's not bad. Uh, but holy shit, man! It, what a ride! What a ride! Alex's personal favorite, my worst and least favorite, but love me sexy. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, you could put Love Me Sexy on this album and no one would notice. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, not long in uh, July 29th, 1975, at 28 years of age. That's where he died. Dude, no, no offense to the like 27 and under club, but yeah. like, no none of those people are as prolific as this guy with the 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 range and the journey <laughs> and the depravity oh sure some of them got depraved but in not real like life, this in real life this man made it made it no he made it a part of his legacy my boy jeff this is for you <laughs> anytime you can introduce me to some weird slang i didn't know existed <laughs> fucking monkey rub Oh, I love okay. it. Okay. <laughs> uh, apparently, even during his career, some of Tim Buckley's songs were covered by other artists, but naturally, this continued uh, a lot after he died. Um, and Tom, he said, I'll, he said, I'll, I'll leave the final words here from Lee Underwood in 2007. And this is where the man is just away with words. He says, I believe that Tim Buckley's music is timeless. It remains beautiful and potent in every era. Even, will, even the sex funk era. and some would say especially uh, it will continue to, de- to deeply move people as they discover him and will continue to enchant new listeners every year he's not wrong he's not, he's not wrong. wrong 
not wrong at all. So thank you so much for listening and watching uh, and for hanging out with us. Thank you, Nick, for suggesting this fucking wonderful, wonderful episode. Let's do a little recap. Uh, for me, best Star Sailor. Underrated as all hell. Um, worst, least favorite. Sophronia. Sophronia. This serving no one. No one. No one wants that. And then personal favorite, look at the fool. Uh, fucking sex-deprived, underrated masterpiece <laughs> for the depravity. For the depravity. Yeah. For me, goodbye and hello. Best. Uh, the, of all the folk stuff, the, the most consistent, the crazy good writing, dark, sad, moving, emotional, powerful. Love it. Star Sailor, personal favorite. Uh, an experimental fucking gem that it was eons ahead of its time and insanely wild and it holds up. Look at the fool. Worst, least favorite. Sex funk, but with pretty shitty average funk <laughs> all the way through. His vocals to the end. Even if you hate these albums. He is, an, he is a uh, fucking angelic vocalist. One of the best. One of the most unique voices. I hope someone's sucking on his thighs in the up in heaven i hope so too i think i think we all hope that yeah so thank you so much for listening and watching and hanging out uh be sure to fucking help us out like the video if you like it comment talk some shit don't care really but just do what you want to do okay be your own person but help us out where you're at all right follow me on all social media at panda monkey and alex on instagram at every album alex please follow our history guy tom osman who does all the dirt digging for us as well as plenty of other shit he does a lot for us and um, we have some some really fun stuff coming up in the future that he's already uh, secured uh, for us. Yeah. Follow him on uh, all social media at Tom Osmond sounds and all his music stuff at Tom Osmond His uh, Substack Tom where he writes about music uh, as well as interviews, a bunch of uh, cool musicians and artists. And then his latest um, industrial state of mind, which he put out uh, earlier this year with existent non-existent and there's links to all that in the description please check out my debut ep pander monkey which is what uh this is it's coming up on its year anniversary feels like yesterday sure does took way too long to fucking record i'll tell you that uh but yeah check that out link in the description and uh not last but not least everybody patreon.com slash every album ever that's where you go that's where nick went to request this episode bonus episodes you get to see our schedules in advance you get to vote on polls decide who we cover next you get to join our discord uh be a part of our community as well as suggest our eae singles episodes and if you're tier two then you can suggest a full discography just like tim buckley just like nick did uh and it's fun stuff it's worth it it takes a while for us to get to it but it is cool so do that please and thank you uh now closing song what the fuck are we doing the song star sailor you want to you want to close out with something that weird yeah hell yeah i do (laughs) (laughs) it's what we love god damn it we don't care if we like you this is star sailor from star sailor good luck thank you so much for listening and watching see ya